Greetings and welcome to the first episode of the Brave Ideas for Social Change podcast series, an initiative of the Graduate School of Social Work at the University of Denver. I'm Amanda Moore McBride, honored to serve as Dean and Professor at the school. Throughout the podcast series, we will draw on GSSW faculty expertise for fast-moving discussions on emerging research practice and policy innovations that can spur social change across society. I'd like to introduce our first faculty expert, Assistant Professor Amy He, who is here to discuss moral distress among child welfare workers. Professor He has over 15 years of clinical experience, including working for the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services. Her current research focuses on addressing large system level challenges that face child welfare. She recently published an article entitled, When Doing the Right Thing Feels Wrong, Moral Distress Among Child Welfare Caseworkers. Welcome, Dr. He. We are so excited to have you as our inaugural guest on the podcast. Thank you, Dee McBride. So happy to be here. Well, I would like for us to ground this discussion in definition and context. Tell us, what is moral distress and how does it impact social work practice and child welfare practice specifically? So child welfare workers and social workers face morally complex situations on a daily basis. But the moral complexity of their work is seldom discussed. For example, child welfare caseworkers want to provide crucial services to families on their caseload. For example, placing children with family members rather than in foster care. Even though they know it is best for the child to stay with the family, they sometimes can't do what's best for the child and the best interest of that child. In this example... It could be because of policies that make family members with any type of criminal record, even from 20 years ago, to be ineligible to becoming caregivers. In this example, moral distress is when workers know the ethically right thing to do, but is unable to do it because of various organizational constraints. This distress can lead to anxiety, depression, frustration, and even client disengagement, all in all leading to staff feeling burnout, and leaving the profession altogether. It is really the violation of one's professional values that make moral distress such a powerful negative phenomenon. I think this completely connects with the COVID pandemic and what we're reading and hearing about among doctors and nurses. They're having to make decisions on who gets care and who doesn't just based on whether there's enough hospital beds or ventilators or supplies seems totally consistent with what you're describing then as moral distress among caseworkers. Exactly. The child welfare profession is one with a long history of racial disproportionality and also forceful family and community separation. And the child welfare workers in our generation know about this history. They want to do better by the families they serve. More than ever, they want to help children and families. They go to school to learn how to help children and families. But then they're given limited resources and face other constraints where they feel like they can't. And this experience, in a nutshell, is moral distress. And so in our study of 2,000 child welfare workers, we found that 41% of them talked about how they had to do things in their job that was against their better judgment. And more than half said that the organizational rules and regulations that they had to adhere to interfere with how well they can do their job. Wow. 
that's staggering. What I love about your research is that it's grounded in practice. So as you think about moral distress, you think about this prevalence, what are some ways that child welfare workers can actually deal with this? I'm a social worker, right? So I can't think about child welfare workers outside of that of my identity as a social worker. And indeed, one in three child welfare workers are social workers. So I think that within social work and the child welfare field, those who have leadership positions or supervisory positions, they definitely need to play a role. They can create a culture of positive psychological safety. This is where staff feel safe to take risks, ask questions, and have the space to acknowledge and talk about the moral complexity in their work. For example, our study found that having low psychological safety in the workplace was associated with greater experiences of moral distress. So when staff feel more distressed, they need to really feel that their views of ethical challenges and complexities, they need to be heard. So creating spaces where they can talk about more complexity in the job is also very important. The consequence of experiencing moral distress is real and has a real impact on staff's psychological well-being. So it is super important to generate awareness and knowledge of moral distress. I think we can do it through training, through ongoing professional development, and through fostering something called moral efficacy and moral courage. Let's take this further. Let's dig in on moral efficacy and moral courage. So from your article, I gathered that moral efficacy is the belief that a caseworker may have that they can actually deal with the situation. But then moral courage is actually the willingness to do the right thing, even if it's a cost to themselves personally or professionally. Can you bring us up a couple of levels outside of the day-to-day of a child welfare worker and think about the social work profession overall? What can we be doing to foster moral efficacy and build moral courage among social workers? That's a really great question. I think that as someone new to an agency, you need to make sure that when you're feeling this way and when you want to ask questions about morally complex situations, make sure to include data and your field experience in talking about this. Present options for changing or addressing that morally complex problem. It could be with your supervisor or seeking mentorship from people who've been there longer. From your supervisors and your colleagues, get input on what you can do around these morally complex situations. And I can't help but think about also for people with historically marginalized identities, for staff who need the income, and for those who have more to risk. It is hard to exercise moral courage and speak up when you feel like your job is on the line. Therefore, I think those with more privileged identities can be allies in addressing issues of moral complexity and moral distress in the child welfare workplace. And honestly, if you feel like your job is on the line, make sure you protect yourself. Talk to people in HR, go through the proper channels, and to make sure that you are protected if you speak up. And going back to your question about moral efficacy and how that can counter experiences of moral distress, that is a topic that I think is growing, especially within social work. I see it being akin to our role as social workers in speaking out against social injustice. And I think the similar skills that embolden us to speak up against social injustices are the same skills that help us to talk about moral efficacy. So being informed, connecting with other change makers and advocates, 
and maybe petitioning our government bodies about these constraints that does not allow us to do the job we need to do and do well by our families. Dr. He, I so appreciate how your response to that question highlighted. It's individuals that change organizations and individuals that change systems. Let's shift to thinking about then how individuals come together to actually change organizations and systems. What insights do you have there? As we discussed, the child welfare system has been a space where institutional racism and oppression has happened and has disproportionately impacted families of color with the disproportionate number of families of color in child welfare. So currently there are two movements that folks are doing and talking about. One is joining what we call reimagining child welfare. How do we do child welfare in 2020, 2021, this very moment? You can also join the national movement such as UpEnd, so UPEND.org. This movement calls for the complete dismantling of the child welfare system because this group feels that it is too broken and that creating a new system is needed to really advocate for family needs. Using and bringing together people with lived experiences, researchers, service providers, because it takes all of us to do this work. As social workers, we need to place ourselves in positions where we have a voice, where we are champions for change. And so I think moving up in an organization, becoming influencers and advocates for change, being a leader in social work is so important when it comes to social justice. And using our degree and our experience to bring people together for change is needed. That to me just speaks to the theme of this podcast series, Brave Ideas for Social Change. We in higher education must also be brave. Can you talk a little bit about how we as scholars and teachers might also be part of this larger movement for change? I want to bring it back to centering the idea of change around moral distress. And I think as educators, we can really empower future child welfare workers and social workers through fostering more efficacy and moral courage. I want to explore how we can better embed that into our education and our professional development. As a researcher, we can work to identify moral efficacy and moral courage. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? The bottom line is that we must discuss and talk about the moral complexities faced by the child welfare worker and the social workers in our field, and that morally complex situations are real, and that answers are not often clear-cut. We need to acknowledge this as a reality of our profession and talk about how we can encourage each other to address it through moral efficacy and building moral courage. Dr. He, thank you so much for your time today and for being a leader within the field of social work. I'm honored you're on faculty at GSSW. Thank you so much for having me. For those of you interested in learning more about the child welfare workforce, another great resource is the National Child Welfare Workforce Institute at ncwwi.org. Stay tuned for more brave ideas with other GSSW faculty leaders. We have great experts lined up that will discuss a range of social issues from homelessness to climate change. Please subscribe to our Brave Ideas for Social Change podcast and learn more at socialwork.du.edu forward slash change. Be brave and be the change. Thanks for joining us.